welcome to another edition of Practitioner Radio, Pink Elephant's podcast for the IT management community. Welcome to Practitioner Radio, episode 13. Pink Elephants podcast for the IT service management community. This week, I'm with Troy Dumoulin, and we're talking about service portfolio and this ITIL 2011 uh, that everyone seems to be talking about. Uh, Troy, ha- have you heard of this beast? In fact, we've been uh, focusing on it quite heavily. We've, you know, we're looking at how it impacts the the products that we deliver, the education, the consulting, and so we've been looking at it. Oh, opening up the covers and uh, unpacking its uh, improvements. No, no. Do you have do you have the the actual copy or a copy of the books in your hands? Yes, in fact, we have the copies. They've been out for about a month now, so they're publicly available. And, and first impressions. I mean, you are the go to uh, expert for most people. Uh, what what kind of hits you? It generally good. And the key is it's um, it's a repackaging of good content, but in a clearer way. Overall, the major changes have been really around structure, presentation of thoughts, the way things flow through the books, a few renaming of, of processes. And while you know there's a couple of new quote-unquote processes, they really weren't new ideas. For example, we, we look at business relationship management as a process now and a function, but that was really already talked about in a minor way relative to service level and service catalog management. In fact, in uh, our book, Defining IT success for the service catalog. We, we talked about that BRM role at that point as well. So these are ideas that have been percolating out there, and they've kind of grown up and they've been presented more formally. Yeah, I think on the uh, at least on our service catalog podcast, I'll put a link to that in the show notes, and our service level podcast, we talked about the role of the BRM uh, quite a bit. And actually, uh, I think I kind of tongue in cheek said that I want that to be my job, and you were like, that would be a good job for you, Chris. Yeah, I remember in fact, it actually has something to do with today's topic, right? Service portfolio management, because that's front-ended by demand and the BRM role, which is why we're here now at Service Portfolio today. Right, and demand we just finished up. Yeah, It's almost as if we plan these things out. Well, it has a logical sequence of thought. I meant the podcast. I mean, literally, we're going in an order that just feels like it's divinely driven. All right, service portfolio management. So to me, I always had this one diagram. I'll see if I can dig it up and put a link in the show notes. It was this gigantic cylinder of services that we were considering, services that we were offering, and then stuff we had offered at one point but had been retired. And that was kind of it. And, and I loved it because it kind of finally, for me, put everything at least you know in this um, vertical cylinder right down to where I could you know even visually see where a CMDB fit in. And when in the uh, revised life cycle books, uh, there's a, uh, an illustration that uh, I saw in, in a book just recently, in one of the updated books, while I was in Australia, of uh, service portfolio, uh, the CMS, and all of the subcomponents. And I, I have to be honest, I like it a lot better than the vertical now that they've kind of laid it out horizontally. Let's get things kind of from a ground level. People, you know, love to talk about the CMDB. People love to talk about the service portfolio and the service catalog, but they never really kind of link them all together. Right. Well, you think about this, it's kind of like a a layered architecture of managed artifacts or objects or concepts, right? You know, we're not unfamiliar with the concept of asset lifecycle. 
I have a gleam in my eye. I'd like to buy this new asset. I go out and I purchase it. I now have to maintain it. I might have to repair it. And then one day it's, it's old. I have to replace it. And I bring in something new and shiny. But I kind of manage the life cycle of this asset, right? This thing I can buy, this tangible component device. Well, you can do the same thing at higher levels of aggregation, right? I manage a solution, a system like SAP through a lifecycle or um, Microsoft Exchange. And then I can also manage the concept of a service, right? So I have this concept of what services would I like to do in the future? Now I'm in proposal mode with this concept. Now I got a business case approved. I'm now building it. I'm now running it in my publishing it in my service catalog because catalog is really a state <laughs> in this whole lifecycle. And I might externalize it to a you know another provider, but in the end I retire or replace it. So all we're talking about here is managing a life cycle of service outcome in the same way we've managed the life cycle of more tactical assets, which have always built these outcomes. Right. And I remember I remember in the demand management show, we talked about, because I remember this because it was like an epiphany for me. Uh, you were like, it, the demand manager and the business relationship manager kind of look at these things. Uh, someone might say, well, we need X. And you, you pilot it out to that group. And that's when you finally... You know, it's probably in the pipeline at that point before you actually make it part of the catalog. Am I on the same page from that previous chat? Oh, yeah. Okay. Absolutely. But think about that demand manager and business relationship manager. They have two things to talk about, things that they haven't thought about themselves that are coming from external client demand. Right. Or things they already have in their portfolio they can take to a meeting and discuss. Right. So this portfolio concept is a key tool and talking aspect that these roles need. Otherwise, they can't do their jobs. Yeah. And... When it comes to portfolio, I guess that's the one area where I get a little confused. Because conceptually, I understand, like you said, uh, ITAM, you know, what it looks like to to buy a widget and kind of manage that widget for its life cycle. And you've helped clarify, at least for me, how we would get a service into the pipeline. But after that, I just have no idea how we manage or how it links to anything else. Well, and part of the problem is is that we actually don't have people who manage things above an asset level, right? So who is a service owner? Do you have one today? Do you have a service category owner who owns a category of services? Because it's these people who would actually care and feed the concept of a life cycle of a service outcome. I like that. Right. We miss those governance roles. We're missing them completely because we're, we're focused more on technology domains and the management and governance of those. So there's no one doing the job. That's why we don't talk about it and we're just now beginning to talk about it in the evolution of our industry because we're starting to manage the outcomes. We need to get Jack back in here with his ISO 20,000 roles. Think of it this way. You know, I like to think of service portfolio as the very reason we even think about ITIL or service management because the processes themselves have only one goal, to deliver services uh, that our customers want and are willing to pay for. So if we don't know what those services are, what's the case for processes, you know? One is a means to the other. You know, processes support the concept of a portfolio. So that kind of defines the need for having some concept of what your portfolio of services are. Yeah, and it, it's 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 a great, I guess, in, in the 2011 edition uh, of the strategy book that we're taking a, uh, at least a clearer approach to this. Um, when you're consulting with folks and, and you're talking about these roles, and, and, and I liked what you said about someone who manages uh, the, the, these types of services, because that to me is something I can get my head around, because uh, I couldn't get 
get my head around just individual service owners, but someone who owns types of services, that makes more sense. These people logically are found where in the organization? So think of it this way. Usually we'll have, and I'm using the word category, owner, that's my own words, but think about you know the head of infrastructure or operations. That's yep. a category owner. Yep. Think of uh, the head of web services yep. as a category owner. Think of the head of the ERP systems as a category owner. So these are macro service owners that literally have multiple services, which are part of their mini portfolio, which are part of the larger enterprise portfolio. Now, the thing is, under messaging as a portfolio, I could have email, I could have instant message, I could have uh, mobile, com- you know, mobile communications, and each of those could be a subservice with their own potential owner. Again, it's, it's going to be about scale in your own organization, right? Yeah. Um, I guess where, again, I, I start to f- lose focus is we, now that we've got these owners and we've understood, at least from the, the previous show, how things are coming into the catalog and how they actually, because I, I used to think, do you just invent them? Do you just one day offer them? And, and we kind of sketched that out last time. The presentation of the catalog, I'm good. So we're up at the high level of the portfolio. But could we touch on, before we move any further, how do things get retired? Well, actually, do things ever retire? And that's actually one of the problems of portfolio management uh, I'd like to kind of explore in a second. Okay. The, but think of the catalog, because most people enter this concept of service definition through um, a series of evolutionary steps, which start more operational, right. and move tactical, and then move strategic. They start to f- begin thinking about services when they have to deal with request management, because I, I have to have some questable unit, right? some object I want to order off a website before I can have a workflow for authorization and provisioning. Correct. So they begin thinking services when it comes to request fulfillment, user provisioning. Then they think, well, okay, request fulfillment, that's good, but it's because I have these services, you know, in these requestable things are falling from these trees. And this catalog now is the concept of the overall arching service structure. But that's the stuff I'm offering you right now, right? Service portfolio is a larger and longer term view from a strategic perspective, thinking, you know, not only being able to manage what you got on your plate today, but things you've got in the future that you need to go and do and things you need to replace. Um, I think to answer your question of a moment ago, this is where we get into the relationship between service portfolio and project management or project portfolio management. And those are two separate things and one feeds the other, ideally. But Mm. unfortunately, ideally is hardly how it ever happens. Usually we come up from the bottom. So usually people are doing project portfolio management first. And briefly, that's simply the process where I can only fund so many capital investment projects this year. So I prioritize and I, you know, drop off the things I can't afford or can't, you know, don't have the resources to do and fund those I can. But that's usually like a one-year plan. Do, do, can those things, I guess, at an esoteric level, can those things that we have to drop off for budgetary reasons, can they just hang out in the pipeline until so we don't lose focus? Well, that'd be ideal, and that's what Service Portfolio would do. You say, well, I can't fund it this year. I'm not going to drop the whole idea because obviously it was important. Otherwise, I wouldn't have put it forward. Right. You know, that infrastructure upgrade that is so critical to do. Or the retirement of the legacy, which is where I want to go next with your earlier question. Right. Uh, one of the pictures I liked really well in the uh, 2007 edition of my talk hmm. was this concept of service uh, pipeline that had three bubbles. One came in from new markets, another one came in from customer requirement, and the other one was a continual service improvement, top right. Hmm. The problem is we hardly ever manage all three bubbles of input into this demand cycle, Right. We, every year we get the new requests, the new shiny things the customer wants to do, and we evaluate that. So we, we focus on the net new, and we continue to fund the net new. And I keep 
introducing new services, new technologies, new complexities to my production environment. But I never bring back in the continual service improvement on existing stuff. So I'm measuring and understanding the impact and cost validation of investment on existing service. So I never really come back with that as an equal prioritization for investment for funding that year. So I continue to add in, add in, never take out, never take out. I bring in a new system. I keep the old one, right? Think of it just an IT management tools concepts. So what happens, though, to our general budget to run when I continually add complexity but never remove legacy? Hmm. Think about that. What would be the normal consequence of that action? Adding complexity but never removing legacy. It sounds unmanageable um, because if you never, I mean, just if I make it this at a very micro scale, uh, and I keep adding more and more complexity to my personal IT, my personal portfolio. I personally have to remove legacy or else I can't manage innovation. Uh, and innovation for me often is the key driver in the way I get things done with my own information systems. But I don't know if that's the answer you're looking for. Well, well, I think you've, it's the right answer. You should be because you can't, <laughs> you can't manage otherwise because otherwise we're in this death spiral, right? We get to the point where our clutter... Around ourselves, we, we've become so cluttered with the ongoing run and cost of legacy systems that day-to-day operations is now 70-80% of my, my normal budget. And no one from our customer perspective, my partner's perspective, they don't allow me to actually remove anything because I can never give them a business case that allows me to because I don't measure or manage legacy. I'm always just adding new. I think, Troy, we've next year we should we, we need to keep ITSM Extreme Makeover. We need to we need to add a new program, ITSM Hoarders Audition. <laughs> this is what it is. Yeah. Think about it. Think about those hoarder shows, right? Yeah. That's what that's the situation in many data centers today. Now now it makes sense. Uh, if I put a, a reality TV show on it, I, I can handle it. This is the CIO's nightmare. I mean, every year they add, but they never remove. And can you imagine their their apartment? Right? No, they're they're yeah. People don't want to work there, their kids are leaving home, uh, the relationship between husband and wife falls apart. Um, and, and in real life, I mean, I've seen organizations, I've worked at uh, you know, several organizations where I was doing consulting where every decision was based around, but how do we continue to support X? And because of the complexity, the moment I, I'm moving one thing, I kick over a pile of something else and I break all this legacy I didn't even remember I had, mm-hmm. right? Because it, it's not managed. Mm. Problem with service portfolio and project portfolio without understanding that CSI of existing is that we're in this death spiral. It's the CIO's nightmare. So, so uh, you know, we once talked about um, uh, the, the role of the CIO and what the important tasks that the, a CIO has to focus on. But I guess adding to my definition now is understanding when it's okay to, you know, in other words, put down the cat. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's time. And to put down the cat, you have to realize how many cats you have, mm. right? <laughs> That's your portfolio. We're back to hoarding. Now we're. But the thing is, the hoarder doesn't even know what they have under the piles. No, no, they don't. They don't. This is the service portfolio. At least it says, "Here's all the stuff you're doing. Here's the investment you're making in it. Here's where all your cash is going. Maybe we should make investment decisions on both net new, but also retire." And I have the business case information because I'm measuring that side of CSI to make that decision, and that's part of portfolio management. Yeah, and and you're saying now would that fall under the relationship manager to understand if we have anyone still looking after or if anyone's still using these piles of of legacy or well actually slightly because there's another great picture in the strategy book i'll I'll describe it to you okay Uh, one side is the service owner and they're looking at three categories of the services they have under their portfolio stuff that's really well used the stuff is lightly used and stuff is not used at all Mm -hmm. right so they have that concept of usage 
that on the BRM side, uh, on a demand, they can see the stuff that there's high demand for, right? That there's high demand for that doesn't exist and that there's little or declining demand. So you can take the demand input because they have the mind of the customer who's asking and ordering for this and marry it up with the service owner's understanding of usage and make wise decisions on portfolio. I want to be in that meeting. Well, it, and it's because I'm, I'm managing sub- demand and supply. That was our last show, right? Yep, yep, yep. Otherwise, I'm not managing it. Uh, and the key is, who's speaking on the term of the client's demand from a BRM perspective? And on the IT side, who is understanding the services, their current investment and their current usage to make decisions at a service outcome, not a technology alone outcome level? Yeah. Who's doing it? If no one's doing it, it's not happening. You know, you could almost look at some bigger organizations because I'm always more interested in thinking about tangible things like you talked about IT asset management and that life cycle. But, you know, the first organization that comes to mind is Microsoft and, and how much legacy they try to support from version to version to version. And has that made them successful or has that made them, you know, an albatross for some organizations? And kind of marry that back to your vision of services and the service owner saying, okay, these are the things that you just described on one hand side. The demand manager saying, these are the things we're expecting. And at some point, do you pull an apple and just go, okay, this is new and that stuff just doesn't work anymore. And is that the CIO's call? Is that, I mean, that's that's a big decision. Well, there's two inputs to the net new discussion in that right. picture, right? There's the new requirements, which is the customer new uh, requirement. But there's new markets, and new markets can not only mean let's go over to you know that new country or that new company, but here's a new technology that far outperforms the current technology. Let's take advantage of that. So, you know, the CIO brings into the portfolio conversation good information for decision making that's in the best interest of their customers. Hmm. I'm related. Who tells the CIO? We're talking about our our service owners and our business relationship managers. We need to start a podcast for the BRM folks out there. Uh, for, Whose job is it? Do they sit down together? Do we? Is there a report? Who gets this information to the CIO so they can add his or her valuable opinion? Okay, back to the service owner and the, the BRM role. Right. Right. Okay, or let's just talk about at category owner level. Yeah, I like so, that category. I can handle that. Head of operations, head of infrastructure, knows what he or she is delivering, hosting, storage, et cetera understands the priorities that need to be placed based on, you know, new investment or legacy uh, upgrade, and they bring that to the CIO. So the CIO looks to their prime category owners to bring that to the equation. But the interesting thing, I think we touched on this at one other episode, is that in a service-oriented organization, all of these category owners are treated equal, and because we understand that the service is comprised of all technologies, not just the application, Right. In an application-focused organization, the application owner always is at the front of the line with the getting the lion's share of the money, meaning that the people behind that person are left with what's left, often nothing. So the application gets the lion's share of the funding, thereby degrading the other components of the service. In the end, service unavailability as a result, because we are not thinking of it from a holistic perspective. So is it wrong to say, I'm going out on a limb here, that if you're an application-focused organization, you're less mature than an organization who's service-focused? Yes, because you're over-prioritizing one component of the service as opposed to looking at the service as a holistic whole. Okay, so organizations which I've been involved in that are application-focused, it would be an evolutionary and a, and a, and a show of maturity to, to move toward a more service point of view. 
Mm. Yeah, service orientation, meaning all components are sharing in the responsibility, all assets, including infrastructure and internal or external assets, all play a part in that service, not just the application, which is one component. Wow. But, you know, we mature that way first. We mature build over run first, you know, project over operations. We mature application over infrastructure, then system oriented and then service oriented. Is there a bridge between the uh, application folks and the service folks? And is that is that bridge the service strategy that we're talking about when we're referring to the portfolio? Well, yes, because the portfolio looks at the whole outcome above the concept of technology. Right. It says, here is the thing we're trying to achieve for the business outcome required. Do we still even have a demand for it? Does it need to be adjusted? So without even thinking technology or even supplier, right. these are the attributes we have to fulfill based on the concept of utility and warranty. Right. Then I make decisions about investment. I can source it internally, externally, or partially so. I can invest on the various components of the assets of the service on a more even keel or balanced model because I can understand now the, the larger picture. If the, the problem with the earlier evolution is we're looking at it from a task specialization or technology-centric view. And what's really interesting is uh, there have been times where I've seen online or I've heard you mention that uh, the the multi-supplier model, and we've always been there in people with all this cloud hype, but this discussion today has really helped clarify for me how the multi-supplier role uh, and, and the cloud makes the need for this portfolio even more relevant than ever. Exactly, because how do I make decisions about anything unless I know where I'm starting? So it's, it's almost as if the cloud is the natural evolution and it's going to help mature you from an application standpoint to a service standpoint, whether you want to or not. Well, I mean, if you have, for example, um, if you have an internal financial accounting package and you're looking at replacing it, yeah. you're going and you're going to go outside potentially for that, yes, you're going to be now renting as a service that accounting capability versus buying an application or even you know installing a full system. You are being forced to think about it at a service orientation when you externalize it. So the sourcing strategy requires you to think about the options, and one of those options is a viable cloud offer. Yeah, and, and I guess it's because of the viable cloud offer in the sourcing strategy discussion, which you know, is, is a new concept for me, even though you've mentioned it three or four times, I, I learned slow. That's why it's called practitioner. Well, it should be really, really, really low-level practitioner radio. Um, that I, I, it's, it's interesting because I can totally understand that extra option changing your focus. Because if that wasn't an option and, it, and we kept it internal and we had the servers and we bought the software, then we, we are almost forced to stay application-focused. Or we're not forced, but it's easier not to evolve. Right. So we often see the new toy, new technology, new, new thing, mm. and we look for a problem to solve, right? In this case, we're looking at the outcomes we're promising and have promised to deliver and look for the best strategic sourcing approach to it, which might be full or partial externalization. But when I say externalization, I'm bringing that provider into my value chain. I'm not just handing it off. That's a key thing. Uh, You know, and I like that because you really have to look at it from a service point of view then because not only are you talking about the application that they're hosting, but you're talking about infrastructure you may or may not share. And and it does take a very holistic approach. And I, I think maybe if an organization has a chance to do that at least once, it might at least better understand moving some of their other application views to service views, even though they have it all internal. Because for me, at least now talking to you, I can go, oh, okay, 
I could see where I could take the, you know, uh, mail system, because you've been talking about the accounting system, and maybe look at it as a collaboration service overall that includes our mobile phones. It includes you know, other communities, or maybe communications as a service. You know, in the end, though, Chris, it's pretty simple. You manage what you know, right? So a technology organization manages technologies as isolated domains. and that's, So they have portfolios, but they're a server portfolio. They're a database portfolio. They're an application portfolio. Mm. Uh, they're a contract portfolio for suppliers. They have very, doing various tasks. Uh, for a service organization, they're managing outcomes as well as those things. And they're tying those things together, right? So you, you manage what you know. It's, it's back to that concept of, you know, what is defined can be controlled. What is controlled can be measured. What is measured can be improved. And if those things aren't happening, no, none of that happens. I like it. Although you just said something that kind of messed my head up too late in the podcast. But you talked about that. I hate when you, when you, I think I've got it down and you throw this wrench in. So you talked about the, the uh, database portfolio and, and another type of, can you have multiple service portfolios or, or there is just one in an organization? I guess that is a really too basic of a question, but now I'm confused. Well, okay. Portfolios are simply collections, right? Right. So we have an architecture. We have a, a process portfolio. These are the processes that we manage, whether they're business processes or they're IT service management processes. Right. These processes uh, are supported by services, uh, and those services can be professional or technology-based services. Okay, and those services are built of service assets, and those service assets are collections of various types of assets. And those assets might be, in some cases, application collections, or our database collections, or supplier collections. So, really, we have a tiered structure of things to manage. Wow. Wow. You have to know a whole lot. Well, you you don't, everyone doesn't have to know a whole lot. No, I meant you, Troy. <laughs> <laughs> but I know it's, it's important that you just brought this up, though, is that we can't ask everybody in IT to know that entire architecture, right? Right. But you need the picture on the puzzle box somewhere to allow you to have a conversation about the connecting points and the value orientation of any given thing, whether it's a supplier or it's a, you know, it's a server or an application. I would love to see that that map that you just described, but almost with a you are here, like you have at the mall, you know, like you are here. And the, each person in their role in the organization, they get that map of the service portfolio and everything underneath it, and they get a little arrow, you are here. So they understand, you know, holistically the whole picture. How do you have a sense of what your contribution to value is unless you have that you are here picture? Well, you don't, but I've never seen one. Well, it happens. Um, it happens in design. Okay. When you go into the architect's cubicle space and you look at this complex Visio diagram or UML diagram that you see on there, you know, on their wall that's been printed out on a plotter and you see the business process uh, modeled out in the system layer and the application layer and the data layer and the infrastructure layer and there's there's lines connecting it all. Literally, you can't build without the systemic view of relationship. Yeah. So in design, there is someone <laughs> who thought about this because otherwise I couldn't build it. Right. But then I take that systemic view of the universe, you know, and I then move it to production and I let it evaporate. Because I don't maintain it. Right. Because I'm not using a systemic service orientation management view. I'm managing by technology domain. But we knew. We didn't actually not know at one point. We let it go. Wow. We almost need a theoretical physicist for this. Because now we've got multiple parallel service portfolio universes. <laughs> now think of it in layers. We're back to the onion again. Okay, layers, layers. Okay, okay. <laughs> I was going multidimensional, Troy. It's too much for me. But Troy, I don't know. I, 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 can't, I can't stop it. I have to do it. 
It's time for Troy Sederbolt tip of the day. Okay, Chris. Remember, service portfolio management is, in effect, the very heart of why ITIL even exists. The definition and management of your services, you know, what the customer wants, is the only business case for why we do processes for delivering that service. Knowing what you do is a key definition for knowing how to manage it. Troy, I've got the best job in the industry because I get to spend time with you doing this. So thank you so much. And I can't wait to we chat. I can't wait till we chat in two weeks uh, and we, we take on something else. What do we do next time? Request? Or a supplier? What? Let's do supplier. Let's do supplier management. People need people need to know about suppliers. All right. Hey, this is Chris with Practitioner Radio, Pink Elephants Podcast for IT Service Management Community. Thanks so much and we'll see you next week. Thanks, Troy. Bye.